the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. something in the Old Testament and actually in the New Testament. They're both, they're both very concerned with passing on spiritual experiences. You'll see that it's a theme, and specifically those spiritual experiences to the next generation. And, it, and I don't mean younger people. I just mean the next generation that's coming forward. Make sure that we have to pass on those spiritual experiences. Have you ever seen, you know, depicted like in the olden days, you know, the, the old west or, you know, 1700s and stuff, they, there would be this fire, and then the townsfolk would come together, and they would grab water buckets, and they would, and they would get to the nearest well, and then they just pass buckets, and they and then pass the empty buckets back, and they would put out a fire with a water bucket, uh, a grouping of water buckets, and they fight the flames. You know, it's like, Hoss, little Joe, Adam's caught in the barn, it's on fire, you know, and along comes Laura and Alonzo, and they've got their buckets, you know, and they're, you know what I'm talking about, right? you've seen it, right? Well, a, a more contemporary example would be like what we saw happen, the lines that were formed in getting the people out from the collapsed Twin Towers at 9-11. These people came in with buckets, and they were moving debris away from the building, trying to clear the site so we could get in larger, but they couldn't get in the large uh, equipment before they just started getting away some of the rubble, making sure the people were there. Well, the key to any successful bucket brigade, the key is a full bucket. You've got to have a full bucket. You can imagine buckets being carelessly sloshed toward a fire, and by the time it gets to a fire, there's only a quarter left of the bucket. Then, then we lose the house. Or in this particular case, it's like you have to be careful not to fill it too little and not to fill it too much when you're, when you're slinging debris because if it's too little, we're not getting, in, not getting to the building fast enough, but if it's too much, you're wearing people out. It's too heavy, and I can't, I can't move it. But we need to have these full buckets or lives are lost. The way that we guard, you and I have to guard what has been spiritually entrusted to us is by giving full buckets of the truths that we have experienced. Here's the way it's put out in the Bible. In the book of Deuteronomy, Old Testament, it's called the Pentateuch. Pent meaning five. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter six, Moses is talking to the people of Israel. And he's talking about full buckets. So you'll get there in a minute here, okay? He's talking about full buckets. He says, listen, here, here's what's going to have to be done. In order for us to carry out this to the next generation, they're going to have to hear fully what God has done. So look at the way he says this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 6, he says this. You must commit. What does it mean to commit? Right? You must commit yourselves. And here's what it means to commit. Wholeheartedly. You ever meet somebody who's half-hearted committed? You, that those, that's an oxymoron. You can't be half-hearted committed. You are wholehearted committed, right? He says you must, must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. What commands? The commands that God has given us for life. See, we're messing up our lives, and so God comes and he says, let me make this easy for you. Here's ten things you shouldn't do, and, and if, you do, if you don't do these ten things, and if you do do these ten things, then your life will be better. Listen, don't steal from people. Don't kill people. Don't lie to people. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. He just lays out ten basic things, and he says, if you do these things, if you stay away from these things, these ten rules, the ten commandments, not ten suggestions, 
right? These Ten Commandments, you'll have a full life. Well, Moses then says, hey, listen, I want you to choose life, but listen, you gotta, you got to make sure that you're wholeheartedly committed to these things. Listen to this. I need you to repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them when you're getting up. I need you to tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. My wife used to ask me, hey, would you pick this up on the way home? And and then I'd get home. She goes, did you get it? I'm like, oh, I forgot. And so to to stop disappointing my bride, I would take a Post-it note, and I would write whatever she wanted, you know, milk. And then I'd stick the Post-it note on my forehead, literally. And then I would get in my car, and I'm driving down the road, but here I am. I've got this Post-it note on my forehead that's kind of halfway through my vision. People are like, why is the guy with a Post-it note? Well, it's because of Scripture. I'm like, I need to remember this. And so here's what I was just simply taking. This is the way I'm going to have to remember this. I'm going to remember this. And here's what Moses is saying we got to talk about this all the time. We need to, mo- we need to move this in, into a place where it has primary importance. These things that God is putting out to us. This is our task, to put our whole heart into this process, full buckets. Well, how do we do that? How are we going to do that? Today I want to talk to you about what Paul called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual experience. It is available to everyone, listen, who has a relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus, then God says you also get this Holy Spirit. Well, what is this Holy Spirit? That's what I want to get into. And that's why I called this series Asking for a Friend. Here's, here's, I think, our problem, is that I don't understand the Holy Spirit. I don't really, I mean, I have questions about the Holy Spirit, but who am I going to ask? That's, that's why, if you want to know, I'm going to tell you. So this has kind of been an introduction, but also an empowerment with that Holy Spirit in this series. In the New Testament, the the Bible records that it's an absolutely natural experience to everyone who, who has Jesus living with them. That anybody who desires all that God has for them, they're flowing in the Holy Spirit. At salvation, when we say, Jesus, I accept the grace that you have given to me, I'm accepting it. He's always put it out there, but we just don't accept it. We're like, I don't need it, I can do it on my own. The moment that we say, it's called salvation, being born again, whatever, whatever your spiritual background is, I don't know. But it's when our life is started over and we take in that redemption from God, through Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives with us. Look at the way Paul describes this to us in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. He says, you are not controlled by your sinful nature, right? Right? You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And you need to remember this. Those who don't have the Spirit of Christ living in them don't belong to Him. This is what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and resides in us, and then... The Holy Spirit is renewed, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about, okay, so the Holy Spirit's in me, but what is this baptism talking about? Holy Spirit comes to us, lives in us, but how does he flow through us? I want to get into that this morning, because this experience with the Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, was so critical in the early church. When Jesus left, right, in Matthew, he says, hey, go into all the world. Take the gospel with you. Make sure you tell people about me. Tell them to obey the things that I've taught you. Go into all the world, right? Well, how are they going to get that done? Well, the early church is trying to get that done. And in the the process of getting it done, these people are going out, right? Jesus is being heard about. But the church is concerned about one thing, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show it to you, this baptism. They're making sure that it's happening. In Acts chapter 8, watch this. The church is new, okay? This is the book of Acts, chapter 8, starting in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria, 
this is just a little farther away, had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Why? Here's why. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Now catch this. Now watch this. God comes in the Old Testament. God the Father in the Old Testament. God the Son in the New Testament. God the Spirit in the present testament. God the Father says, you're going you're gonna to want to accept the Messiah. He's going to make a way. Then Jesus shows up on the scene and says, hey, listen, it's not done. I'm taking off, but I'm going to leave you another advocate. I'm going to leave you another helper. I can't be there. Watch this. Jesus is stuck. Jesus is stuck in this, this flesh and blood, the bone, bone and marrow. Jesus is stuck here, so he can only go to Jerusalem, to Decapolis, the ten towns, right? He can only go to Nazareth. He can only go right here. He's stuck in the Middle East. And then he watches, he goes, but I'm leaving, and I'm going to leave you a Holy Spirit who isn't bound by flesh. He can go anywhere to the Americas that nobody's even found yet. Holy Spirit's going to go there. The Holy Spirit, when this good news goes out, the Holy Spirit goes with it, and the whole world has now experienced the Holy Spirit and continues to experience the Holy Spirit. But see, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm limited to this little area of sharing what I can do, empowering. You read about what Jesus does. It's amazing. The good news, it's amazing, touching people, healing people. He goes, but see, I'm limited. I can't go there. I can't go here. I can't, I can't go to Thailand I'm in Jerusalem. I can't go to Africa. I'm here in Nazareth. But you know what? When I leave, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, and he will go with you. The Holy Spirit goes with you to these places. That's what we're needing. Well, this experience, right, they come in, and they say, hey, wait a minute. You haven't heard about the Holy Spirit? Watch this. As soon as they arrive, they pray for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. First thing, they arrive, they arrive. Hey, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit for these people. That's how important this is. Watch this in Acts chapter 19. I went over this a couple weeks ago, just the beginning of it, but let me follow through here. Watch this, Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Apollos is in Corinth. Paul travels through the interior regions until he gets to a place called Ephesus on the coast, and he finds several believers. He, watch this. He finds several believers. First question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? First question. So how do you, it wasn't this. How do you like this whole Jesus experience, huh? Hey, you started in the church. How's it, how's it feel to be re redeemed? No, no, no. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? First question, he finds the believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit? No, we haven't even heard of this. Who is this Holy Spirit you speak of, right? What, what are you talking about? Well, then, okay, let me get clear. What baptism did you receive? Oh, well, we experienced the baptism of John. Oh, guys, 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 listen to this, man. John's baptism called for repentance of sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who's going to come later. That's Jesus. Oh, that's what we've been waiting for. Yeah, it's already happened. Oh, then I want to believe in that. Okay, good. Watch this. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came to them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There's about 12 of these guys. Because this is important. The Holy Spirit is the most important thing. Jesus guarantees your salvation. Jesus reconciles you with God. But if you're going to live this life, Jesus can't be here with you. And I know it's my own pet peeve. And I know it's a long time him. He walks with me and he talks with me. That's not Jesus. The Holy Spirit does that. 
The Holy Spirit is with us. This is what Jesus left us. And it was so important that the new believers that are being found, hey, do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? It wasn't, how do you like salvation? How do you like going to church? How do you like the apostles' teaching? It was, do you have the Holy Spirit? Because this is what you're going to need if you're going to live through this life. John the baptizer was the first to use this phrase, baptism in the Holy Spirit. All four of the Gospels record him saying it like this. I baptized you with water, but he, Jesus, is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John made it very clear. The Holy Spirit is coming to us. And to set the tone for the rest of this teaching this morning, I, wanna, I want you to consider several questions, okay? First one, are you disillusioned? Are you disillusioned with how you've allowed your, your talk to be your walk? That it's, it's more talk than it is really something being experienced? Are, are you discontent? with the amount of spiritual fruit in your life? It's like, I've tried. I just need more self-control. I just don't have any self-control. I just, I have so much anxiety. I wish I had more peace. See, you do know that the Holy Spirit produces these things in those who believe. Are you ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. See, if you're missing any of those things, then you're missing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to produce these things in you. That's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. He says, the Holy Spirit will produce these things in you. Those are just nine of the fruits. There's more. But I go, yeah, I, I, just, I, there's this, I just don't have that kind of fruit in my life. Are you disappointed by the impotence of your own efforts it's like i try i try and get it done when i need to get it done but i just can't get it done it's like <sighs> are you distressed enough are you finally done that you would beg god to fill you with the holy spirit see that's where i get i get to the end of myself and then i go okay holy spirit help me what i've realized is i'm at the end of myself when i first wake up in the morning so I start there. I go, I'm going to screw up this day. Holy Spirit, if you're not with me, you need to walk with me now because I haven't put my feet on the ground yet. And I'm already going into my own mind about what I'm going to do today, how I'm going to handle it, how I've got what it takes to make this thing happen. And already, I'm already messing with you. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you need to be with me. Here's your first notes. Please write this down. If we are not disturbed by how little we can do in our own power, we will never be desperate enough to ask God for his power. Beloved, it's time, it's time to have a holy discontent. That I, I can't do this anymore. My marriage, I can't do my parenting, I can't do my job. I, can't, I, I, I need the Holy Spirit to come with me. But we gotta be disturbed to a point and desperate that we'd ask God for his power. Because this is what the Holy Spirit's about. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says this. The kingdom of God isn't just talk. Oh, I talk about the Bible. I talk about scriptures I've memorized. I talk about teaching I've had. Listen to what he says. The kingdom of God is living by God's power. That's what the Holy Spirit's about. Living by God's power. So when we pray for this baptism of the Holy Spirit, what is it we're asking God to do? What are we asking him for? In the, way, in the words of theologian Wayne Grudem, here, here's what asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. He says, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an event after, subsequent, to conversion, saying, Jesus, come live in my life. 
It's where a believer experiences, catch this, a fresh infilling with the Holy Spirit that may result in a variety of consequences. Are you ready? Bullet point these. Including greater love, including but not limited to, <laughs> greater love for God, greater victory over sin, greater power for ministry. I'm raising my hand already. I'm like, wait a minute. This is what baptism of the Holy Spirit brings me? Greater love for God, greater victory over sin, greater power for ministry? And sometimes even the receiving of new spiritual gifts. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The problem is we know people, at least I do, you probably do too, who have the Holy Spirit and they're weird. Listen, they're weird without the Holy Spirit. They're just weird. They've always been weird. Now, I was raised in the church. I was born and raised in a Catholic church. About 10 years old, I started going to something called the charismatic renewal of the Catholic church. And the Holy Spirit fell in the Catholic church and prophecy was happening. People are speaking in tongues. It was amazing. So I'm there and I'm meeting weird people with the Holy Spirit. And again, they were weird before they had the Holy Spirit, but now they're even weirder, right? And I'm like, ah, this Holy Spirit, not for me. It's weird and I don't understand it. And then I moved to the Protestant church, and I met even more weird people with the Holy Spirit. And, but what I found out was this. It's not the Holy Spirit that makes people weird, because the Holy Spirit's not weird. Can you imagine Jesus saying this? Hey, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but don't worry. You're not going to be alone. I'm leaving you somebody really weird. No, he says, I'm going to bring you the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you with everything. He's going to teach you what to do, where to do it, how to say. Where. He's going to teach you. He's going to be with you. Not... He's going to make you weird. And so something has to shift. And that's why, that's why I'm doing this series because I think we kind of push back on the Holy Spirit going, it's weird. And I don't understand the whole tongues thing. May I, may I just stop for a moment here, by the way? Listen, I've made these readers available. Here's the first one, fruits and gifts. It simply does this. The Bible says there are fruits and gifts that the Holy Spirit, listen to this, he produces these in us, those are the fruits, and the gifts, he decides which gifts each of us should have. So what I did is I put this together, it's free. Please pick them up, they're out here, they're online on our website, please pick these up. Look, I simply said, here's what the fruits are, here's what they do in our lives, here's what the gifts are, here's how they function. It's just very simple, it's all of, uh, and with room for questions, right, it's all of 19 pages, very small, oh, that's just, that's just some extra stuff, but you could do this. If you're not sure what the fruits are, if you don't understand what the gifts are, here's your first reader. It's just very simple. The second one is this one. It's called Tongues for Today. And here's the problem. This is one of the gifts. I, I want you to hear this. It, it was just talked about. It was just talked about in, in, in Acts chapter 19 where the Holy Spirit comes. Holy Spirit comes and they pray for the Holy Spirit and these people speak in tongues. That's what the Bible says. Oh, you didn't, have, you, didn't, you didn't receive the baptism of Jesus? No. Well, you need the baptism of Jesus. After they prayed for them, they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Twelve guys. Well, see, some people go, that whole tongues thing is weird. It's not weird. It's really not when you understand what it is. Now, watch this. Here's me. I'm 12 years old, 13 years old. I'm laying in a bunk at camp. We just had this teaching on the Holy Spirit. I'm like, God, I, I want to praise you like that. I, I already worship you. And you know what? I want gifts of the Holy And all of a sudden, I start speaking in tongues, laying on a bunk. No one was praying for me. No hands were being laid on me. I was just all by myself right before going to sleep, and I start speaking in tongues. And I, listen to me. I've been speaking in tongues ever since, multiple times a day. That's the way I pray. It's what I do. There's, if you don't understand tongues, please pick up one of these readers. I, I want you to understand it. It's not weird. It's empowerment. It's what Jesus said would happen to us. And so, so here's, here's these gifts that are available for us, but most of us push back on them because we don't get it. 
because we don't understand it, because it's weird. I want to encourage you, dig in. Seek this great gift that Jesus said, oh, the Father wants to give you a great gift. I'll get to that in a minute. That is how the Holy Spirit is portrayed in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, rather. It talks about the filling of the Holy Spirit, right? Most of the times in the New Testament where they are being encouraged to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it was towards people who are already born again, people who already have Jesus living in them. In fact, according to the New Testament, there are, there are, we're supposed to be repeatedly filled over and over again. Ask for the Holy Spirit to empower you again, empower you again. I'm asking numerous times, I'm going to need empowerment. I'm going into this meeting. Holy Spirit, I need you to speak for me. I have the situation tomorrow on, on Tuesday morning. I'm going to be in this thing. I need your Holy Spirit, I need you to function for me here because I'm over my head in this situation. I don't know what to do in this situation. I know what I could do, and that won't be pretty. So I say, Holy Spirit, help me. Well, I want to go through two of the purposes here, this next section. Two of the purposes for being filled with the Holy Spirit, repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit. When Paul told the the first Christians to be filled with the Spirit, he was talking about the first reason, and that's this one, empowered worship. Spirit-empowered worship, that's the first one. Makes a huge difference. We've got to be careful as we read the scriptures, because sometimes we like it to read the way we want it to read. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So watch this. In Ephesians chapter 5, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is saying, hey, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now watch what he says. He's talking to Christians. He says this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, because that's going to ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You hear this? among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here, here's the problem. We want, we, we attempt to read these scriptures and we go, yeah, but my, my experienced-based preconceptions of what worship is supposed to be and isn't supposed to be is found right here. So here's what we do. We read these and we go, see right there? It says instruments aren't supposed to be in church. That is not what that says. Or we do this. See all this contemporary worship. It's only supposed to be hymns. That's not what this says. But we we start to apply this toward our worship, and that's not what this is talking about. He said, hey, don't be drunk with alcohol. It's going to ruin your life. But then he has this punch. It's a punch in the gut that we try to avoid all the time. And it's... And it's about the Holy Spirit. It's about being led by the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, don't be drunk with alcohol. But then there's this question in the middle of it. And here's the question. Are you intoxicated with God? Not stupid, silly. Listen to me. Are you under the influence of God? That's what he's talking about. Don't be under the influence of alcohol. Are you under the influence of God? Now, watch this. We do this all the time. Guys swerving on the road. Cops pull them over. Okay, walk this line. They're like, oh, yeah. See, that's what it means to be under the influence of alcohol. Some people go, oh, you're supposed to be drunk in the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Stop being silly. Stop that. That's not what, this doesn't say be drunk in the Holy Spirit. But I am asking, are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? And you know who those people are. When they walk into a situation and all of a sudden, whew, calm happens. 
you know a person who is walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit because there's wisdom that comes out of their mouth. Because when they start to talk, you go, that makes sense. Oh, gosh, I'm so glad I had this conversation with you. When what's coming out of your mouth is, uh, is bumbled thoughts, and I, you know, here's what, here, listen, thoughts disentangle themselves when they come off the lips and fingertips. That's why I like us to journal. Because you begin to think clearly when you start writing. But you ever have a time where you're talking and it's just blah, 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 and the person's going, okay, all right, yeah, uh-huh. Well, that's this. And you go, oh, how did you do that? Under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He does that for you. He does it for me. The question is, are we, again, allowing that overflow to happen in our worship? Does that affect how we're doing things? Does, are we singing praise? That's what it says, to one another, to God all the time. Is there gratefulness in our lives, no matter the circumstance? If not, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we're supposed to be worshipfully enjoying the grace of God that's available to us. We're supposed to have peace. Coming up at the end of this month, we have an opportunity to, to, to taste that satisfaction. There's gonna be a worship night next, next week, right, next week. In the Father's house, we're going to be across the way. A worship night starting at 6 to 7.30. This is for spirit-empowered worship. Spirit-empowered worship. I want to encourage you, come. Come see what spirit-empowered worship is. What happens when we let go of ourselves and give a long focus on what God wants to do and what God wants to say? This is how that happens. God wants us to experience the satisfaction in this life, in this life. Here's the second one. When, when Luke describes the experience of spirit filling among, uh, among Christians, it was for the second purpose, and that's this, spirit-empowered witness. Spirit-empowered witness. You're welcome. There's two W's because I'm a pastor. Worship and witness, right? All right, spirit-empowered worship and spirit-empowered witness. Now, keep in mind, when I talk about witnessing, here, here's what's happening in the New Testament. Jesus leaves these disciples, and again, I mentioned, he said, hey, I want you to go into all the world, tell all the world about me. The problem is, the followers of the way, that's what the Bible calls these guys, they're the followers of the way. The followers of the way are being persecuted. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, we read about a guy named Saul who's dragging the followers of the way off to jail and executing them by stoning them with rocks. They're stoned to death. This is what we do to the followers of the way. So Jesus is going, okay, these guys are going to be freaked out when they go to share this way with the world. It's not going to be pretty. So watch what happens. In Acts chapter 4, starting verse 29, these disciples are praying. And now, Lord, well, listen to this prayer. Listen to their prayer. They're being persecuted because they're followers of Jesus, and they're supposed to be telling other people to follow Jesus. This is the prayer they pray. And now, Lord, hear their threats and hide us. Make sure nobody finds us. Look, look at what they pray. Hear their threats and give your servants great boldness. What? Every time we go to speak about it, they threaten us. So make us bold to say it more. What? Here's, here's what I pray. Lord, make sure they don't find us. Because we're going to hide, and we're going to hide at work. We're going to hide our faith. In our family get-togethers, we're going to hide our faith. We're going to hide. No, listen to what the believers are praying. Make us bold in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Let miraculous signs and wonders be done through the, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Watch this, verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. This is what happens when you pray this way. Now, again, you can imagine the fear. But if they're going to accomplish the Great Commission, as Jesus said, they're supposed to go into all the world. 
He goes, you're going to need empowerment to do so. You can't do this on your own strength. They're going to need supernatural assistance. So he gives them the Holy Spirit, and he gives it to us too. The Holy Spirit is for us too. Here's, here's this one right here. Next blank right here. The disciples asked God for supernatural boldness to preach the good news and supernatural power to minister to people. And God answered their prayers, and I want you to hear me. He'll answer your prayers too if you pray it. God, I, I need to be bold with my family. I, I have a coworker. I know you're asking me to talk to them. I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know when to say it. How are we responding to our, to, to, listen to this, relational disapproval? You know, when people at work just go, you bring a Bible to work? Okay, that's weird. Nobody's threatened to kill you. These people are being threatened to be killed, and they're going, make us bold. But we do this. Oh, they just gave me a weird look. I can't bring my Bible to work anymore. I could never bring my Bible to school. People are going, oh, what are you, holy roller? That's, that's the threats we face today. And you know what we do when we face it? I'm not bringing my Bible to school anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about God to my coworkers anymore. These believers, empowered by the Holy Spirit, said, make us bold because this has got to go forward. This message must go forward. And I'm plan A and there is no plan B. So here's these believers saying, this is my response. But if it's not our response to overcome our fear, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, we, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we're allowing our fear, our fear uh, and our unbelief to gag and mute our witness. We're just silent anymore. Well, you know, what are you going to say? I mean, oh, gosh, it's, just, it's so intense. Oh, man, I, I just don't ever know what to say. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will put words in your mouth. At just the right time, you'll say, whoa, where'd that come from? Oh, my gosh, that was, I just quoted a scripture without going, you know, turn in your Bibles with me. I'll tell you what the Bible it just it starts to come out of you when it's inside of you. The problem is many of our buckets are half full. Our buckets are half full and the people who need to hear the good news aren't hearing it because our buckets are supposed to be filled with this. Our buckets are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And our Heavenly Father, I'm, I, I have said this over and over again, wants to give us the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, look at what, look, and I went over this uh, last week, I believe it was, last week or week before, Luke chapter 11, Here, here's what Jesus is talking, right? He says this, oh, so good. Luke chapter 11, verse 10, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Anyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Do you know what the context of this was? The Holy Spirit. Down in verse 13, he says, how much my father wants to give good gifts to you. You earthly dads, you know how to give good gifts to your kid. My father wants to give you the Holy Spirit. That's the context of ask, seek, and knock. All we got to do is ask for the Holy Spirit. And he goes, great, done. I began this morning with a series of questions, and I want to ask you a few more. Do you feel dry? Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you tired of talking and reading about theology and not experiencing it? Not just studying God, but experiencing God? Does your worship feel distracted, hollow, thinking about the next thing? I know I'm supposed to sing the song, but I gotta go. I have this thing this afternoon. We've got to go to Costco, and then we're going to have to run over here, and then we've got to get the kids over. To the when God's going, what do you think about me? I wonder if apples are on sale at Costco this week. Huh? You have distracted worship? Are you lacking gratitude? I can't seem to thank God for what's in my life because I'm so bummed about what's not in my life. 
I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed that in this area that I'm, I'm an, unable to praise God in this area for this thing. Because, oh, man, if only God would do this, only God would do this. But what about all that? Well, I don't worry about that. I just need this. And see, that's what we're supposed That's this spirit-empowered worship. Gratitude is supposed to flow from us. That's where the songs and hymns and spiritual songs, it's like when somebody goes, how's it going? It's actually really good. Can I share a couple of things with how good it is in my life? What would you do if someone did that to you? Weird Christian. But can you imagine? Actually, God's doing some really great things. Like what? Well, you know what? I wasn't going to be able to pay my rent, and all of a sudden this check came in. It was so, it was so God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be encouraging other people with the great things in our lives. But here's what we do. We focus on this one little thing over here. Oh, but it's not happening. It's not happening. I can't get it. And all this is left behind. Well, let's talk about the great things. I don't want to. I want to talk about this thing. Something's got to change. The desperation in our life, I hope, is there. I hope that you long. Well, I'm ask, let me ask. Do you long for more of the internal fruit and the external fruit of empowered ministry? Internal fruit of the Holy Spirit? He, he wants to produce the love, joy, kindness, goodness. I don't want to be kind to that, the guy who's ringing me out at the grocery store, the woman who's checking out my groceries, I'm like, why is she so, so, blah, 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 blah. And the Holy Spirit goes, time to be kind. I hear him. Do you hear him? Sometimes I just don't want to listen to him. Well, if you have answered yes to any of those questions, maybe even all of them, I don't know, then you probably need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. You're needing a baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're at a place of desperation that comes from living with a weak affection, with living with spiritual impotence. I'm here to tell you that could be a gift from God. It could be that our dryness, our discontentment, our discouragement is actually where God goes, why don't you lean into me today? I can't. I'd rather be sad. I'd rather be disappointed. I'd rather be depressed. I'd rather be this. Yeah, but uh, listen, those things are to turn you toward me. So that I can fill you up. Because when we become disillusioned enough with our shallow talk, with our anemic worship, with our feeble witness, we'll begin to pray this prayer that I put on the back of your, on the back of your notes this morning. Check it out. I don't know if you're this desperate or not, but if you are, I hope, I hope you are. Whatever it takes, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit and any gifting you'd be pleased to give me. Are you there? Whatever it takes, Lord, I'm done on my own energy. I'm done doing it my way. Whatever it takes, fill me with your Holy Spirit and any gifting you'd have for me. I want to pray for you this morning. Uh, if you're on the prayer team, pastoral, pastoral staff, uh, your, your spouse, come on up here. I want to I pray for you this morning. As we go into worship this morning, I have some oil. Please know the Bible says that when you pray for people, anoint them with oil. Watch this. There's nothing special about this oil. It's not been blessed, it's now special, right? It is special because it came from Israel, and it smells like frankincense and myrrh. So that's special. But other than that, it's olive oil. But he here's what it is. This oil is a representation. It's a symbol. Just as this ring is a symbol of my marriage to my bride. It's just a symbol. This is a symbol. The Bible says oil is a symbol of how the Holy Spirit flows. And then the Bible instructs us, when you pray for people, anoint them with oil. That's why we do it. 
there's nothing, there's nothing holy about this, nothing special, other than it, it does smell good. But I, I want to pray for you this morning, that you would re- receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit this morning, and a, a reignition, a baptism of the Holy Spirit that would help you first right here in worship, but then help you out there as you go home, as you go to the grocery store, as you go out for lunch, as you start dealing with family again, you're starting to deal with other relationships, you'd have the Holy Spirit flowing through you. So we're going to pray for you, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We'll start out here. Sorry, that was me. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to head down the aisles. We're going to have a couple people over here, a couple people right here, some people down the aisle, some people right there. Here's, here's what I'm looking for. If you're desperate, if you're desperate, listen to this. Whatever it takes, I wrote it down for you so you can take it and walk with it. Whatever it takes, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit and any gifting you'd be pleased to give to me. I'm desperate. This is what I want. If that's you, you stand up, you go, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, and you make your way to the aisle and let someone just pray for you. All they're going to do, listen, they're not going to be praying, oh, Holy Spirit, do this. I'm going to do that. They're going to pray for you right now. They're just going to touch your head. They're going to touch your shoulders, touch your ears. They're just going to pray for you like that. If you're in the courtyard tent, there's somebody out there who wants to pray with you as well. I, I Get up out of your seat. Come to the aisle. Let me pray for you right now. So you just get up right where you are. Come to one of these people. Come to one of these people. They're going to start praying for you. All they're going to do is just touch you on the head. No, no big spooky thing. Nothing weird. They just want to pray for you. Father God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus today that as people come come out of their seats, they take a step of faith. They take a step of faith that says, I got to have something other than what I got. It's not enough. I pray that as people are touched this morning, as they are anointed with oil, as they are prayed for, simply just having a hand laid on them, it would be as your presence, your Holy Spirit begins to make a difference. They would begin to see things and hear things that are different. They would begin to understand. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Father God, Holy Spirit, have your way with those who say, I'm desperate. Holy Spirit, come into my life, and whatever gifts you want to give me, give me that too. I pray, Father God, as people are touched with an oil, they would smell that oil and say, wait, that it's just a representation. It's a symbol of your Holy Spirit's presence. Later in the day, you're going to touch your head and go, what's that smell? Oh, I got prayed for. That's the way the Holy Spirit is. He's with us throughout the day. Let it be so in Jesus' name.